Hey, this morning we're uh, jumping back into our resurgence series. We've been working through the book of Acts together. And today we're in Acts chapter 19. You can begin to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, We're going to jump in there in just a moment. What we're going to discuss in this passage is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is like, some some people when I say that, it's like, (gasps) there's like a little bit of nervousness. Um, And it's because uh, this is a topic where there is some confusion sometimes about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm I'm aware that there's some theological differences and and different thoughts and beliefs. Um, But uh, what we're going to look at today is what it looks like in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, to experience the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to see is that this isn't a a weird or out of control. This is a normal part of what they experienced. So, first of all, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does that term mean? Well, in a nutshell, it's this. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell within the believer. And it's a gift that empowers believers to live out the mission of Jesus. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack that a little bit more today and try to bring some clarity uh, where there might be some confusion. So I hope you have found your way to Acts um, chapter 19. We're going to read a story of Paul encountering, having kind of a, what's kind of a peculiar encounter with 12 guys in the city of Ephesus. And we'll talk about why that's, why it's strange. But this encounter, it changes the whole continent of Asia forever. So this is pretty cool. Let's read along and see what happens here. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 19. It says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, uh, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And and, And there were about 12 men in all. And it goes on, verse 8, it says, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them, took the disciples with him, and reasoned daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord both Jews and Greeks. So he encounters these 12 guys in Ephesus, and he, something seems a little off to him. They're, they're disciples, but they're not followers of Jesus as Paul understood it to be a follower of Jesus. And so he starts to question them. They, they have this dialogue, and he, he, he asks them a few questions. Now, this was important because As Christianity was exploding and the rise of Christianity in the early church, there was a lot of false teaching. There were people who were using it for their own benefit. 
they would just kind of invent their own doctrines and they would, they would go out and they would preach for their own um, to be lifted up and for their own fame and their own glory. And so Paul's kind of pressing in on this to make sure that these guys are disciples of the same God and that they're not followers of some false teaching. And so they have this interaction and this interaction that they have, it teaches us a lot about who the Holy Spirit is and who he isn't. And this experience that they have of the Holy Spirit is really important in our understanding of how we encounter the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. So we're going to take a look at this together uh, this morning. So one of the things that these disciples in Ephesus show us is, number one, that receiving the Holy Spirit is not the same as salvation. It's not the same as salvation. Look in in verse 2 again. Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so then he asked them, you know, what, what then were you, ba- into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So he says, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, no. These are disciples who had been baptized by John. They're saying, we believe in God. We want to follow God. But they had not yet experienced what the Holy Spirit was. In fact, they didn't even know who Jesus was. They had not heard that the Messiah had come yet. So they were, they were repenting of their sins to be right before God, but they didn't know that Jesus had come, had died on the cross, had, had provided the way for them to have relationship, and had rose from the dead and left his spirit for us. They didn't know that. And so Paul tells them. He finds these 12 guys living a faithfully devoted life to God. They were saved, but had no concept of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Did, has anybody here ever um, played the original Mario Brothers game? You know what I'm talking about? Like we're talking old school NES system. I remember playing that um, for the first time when my, I, I didn't have the system, and so, but my friend Jimmy did. And so I would beg my parents to go over to Jimmy's house and we would play Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. You remember that? That was fun, right? It was good, good times. But I remember, I, I, you know, I didn't have the game, and so I would be able to play it like a few levels in. But Jimmy, he, he, like, he owned it, and so he had like mastered the game. He had gone all the way through the levels. And I remember the day when he said, John, guess what? I found cheats in the game. He had found ways to get unlimited lives. And what he discovered was there was all of these different cheats that you could do different things in the game. And we were like, this is amazing. We had no idea. But guess what? It goes a step beyond that. In fact, I don't know who these um, video game nerds are that discovered this, but there are actually 256 hidden levels in the original Super Mario game. Now, this, this is crazy. This is how you discover those levels. This is what you have to do to get to them. You have to play the game to a certain level. You have to take out the cartridge. You have to insert the tennis cartridge. I'm not kidding. You have to play the tennis game, the original tennis game to a certain point. Take that out, put Mario Brothers back in, and one of these hidden levels will come on the screen. Now, that had to be an accident, right? Somebody is like, 
switching back and forth games. And all of a sudden, hey, I don't recognize this. The point is, there, there's all, there was all of this hidden stuff that no one knew about. For, for these disciples, they had experienced God and they thought, this is awesome. We've come out of this old system of sacrifices and, and, and Judaism and we've experienced God. We've been, we've been baptized in, in the repentance of our sins so that we can follow a God that's personal. But there was so much more. There was so much more that was waiting for them that they had yet to experience. And Paul gets to cast a light on that for them. And I think for some of us, that might be where we're at today. We've experienced God, and maybe we've experienced Him in some dynamic ways, but we've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we need to know this morning that there is so much more that God offers to us, that He gives to us, that He's provided for us. This is not the same as salvation. This, what, what's being described here is something that happens after salvation, in addition to it. Now, I don't want you to be confused because the, the Bible does describe that when we are saved, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive all of who God is. And we understand that God has three distinct personalities, Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm not saying that you get some of God but not all of Him. You get all of who God is when you receive Him and He comes and He dwells with us but there's something in Scripture that you cannot deny that there is a filling of the Holy Spirit that happens after this point of salvation. And this isn't just this text alone. In fact, this is all throughout Scripture. Let me give you a couple other examples. The Samaritans, they were saved under the ministry of Philip, and that's described in Acts 8, 5 through 8. But they were baptized in the Holy Spirit by Peter and John later in um, Acts 8, 14 through 17. It happened after they believed. Paul was um, converted on the road to Damascus. He had this amazing conversion experience and story, but he didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until three days later when Ananias came and ministered to him. And of course, the disciples are, are the example too. They, they, they believed in Jesus. They followed him. They were his disciples but he told them to wait for his spirit to be poured out. So, so we know that this, this, uh, this is something that there's, there's something available to us after salvation, something of an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So first, firstly here, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the same as salvation. Second, receiving the Holy Spirit is not a replacement for water baptism. This story also shows us that. Even though these guys were baptized by John, Paul baptizes them again in water in the name of Jesus. Now, why would he do that? Why would he actually baptize them a second time? Well, the first time they had been baptized, it says what? They were baptized for the repentance of their sins. And that's what, that's what John was doing. He was calling Jews to make an individual statement that they can, be, they can individually be cleansed by God and receive, uh, receive Him and follow Him in a personal way. Previous to that, their understanding of their relationship to God was as a nation, not as an individual. So John's baptism changed everything for these Jews because now all of a sudden 
they as an individual were having their sins cleansed by God in a personal way. But Paul takes this a step further. He says, now that we understand that Jesus is the way, that our sins are forgiven, that Jesus' death and resurrection provides death to our old self and life because he conquered death, now I want you to be baptized again into that understanding of who Jesus is and declare that in your life. And so he baptizes them again. So there's, there's a natural progression that we see here, and we see it all over Scripture, of repentance of sin, faith in Jesus, water baptism as the seal of that faith, as the declaration of that faith, and then what follows is the Holy Spirit baptism as the empowerment to live out that faith. And that progression, it's not exclusive, but we see it all over the place. This is interesting, the... Um, this, this concept of, of baptism and what it originally meant, it extends to us today. And if you haven't been baptized in water, that's, this, is a, this is an important step for you. We don't, um, we don't pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit and somehow skip over water baptism because that is the seal of your faith. It's the, it's the profession that you're identifying yourself with Christ's death and his resurrection. And in the Bible, oftentimes that preceded a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so if we want to receive the Holy Spirit, we want to experience that as well. We want, we want to press in and experience all that He has for us and take that step. If you want to be baptized in water, by the way, our next um, uh, baptism is going to be on July 21st. And if you're interested in taking that step, um, you can get some more information by writing that on your Connect card, write baptism, and we will uh, we'll get you some more information on that. So receiving the, the Holy Spirit is not the same as salvation. And it is not a substitute for water baptism. And third, the third thing we see here is that receiving the Holy Spirit is not a religious promotion. It's not a religious promotion. So it doesn't make you better than anybody else. It's a great thing, but it doesn't make you better than. It's not a, this elite club that, that, um, that, that sets you in these upper echelon of Christianity. In fact, for these uh, 12 guys, what did it look like? What did it mean to receive the Holy Spirit? It didn't promote them to an elitism. In fact, look at what it demanded. In verse 9, it says they encountered persecution. That's not a promotion. They encounter persecution. It says there were stubborn, unbelieving people who spoke evil against them. They endured that. And after they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it required that they used it for ministry. It says they reasoned daily in the hall of Tyrannus. They received the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Not just for them. Not just that they could keep basking in that and experiencing it. Now, there's nothing wrong with us enjoying the Holy Spirit and what that looks like, but it was for a purpose. And thirdly, it, was, it required perseverance. Instead of a religious promotion, it really required a lot of perseverance out of these guys. They were going to endure that persecution for two years, it says, as they ministered in that place. And then they were instrumental in, in really what took place in Ephesus. Remember? 
the Holy Spirit, he stirs something in these guys, and it impacts the entire continent of Asia. They minister there for two years, and something about the Holy Spirit being poured out and working and ministering impacts the whole continent. There was a perseverance in these guys to keep at it, to keep uh, proclaiming, and to keep ministering. To me, this, this this sounds like a lot of my journey to parenting. Let me explain to you. When I was single, maybe you can relate to this, when I was single, everybody would ask me um, who I was dating. Are you dating anyone? Are you dating anybody? No, I'm not. I'm da- are you dating? No. And then when I started dating people, when I started dating someone, they'd say, oh, the next question was, when are you going to get engaged? When are you going to be engaged? Well, Denise and I dated for about two years before we were, were married and we were engaged for six months before that. So we heard, I heard that question a lot. When are you going to get engaged? And of course, when you get engaged, when are you going to get married? Have you set a date? When's it going to be? And then the next thing is, as soon as you get married, literally on your wedding day, what's the next question? When are you going to have kids? It's like, man, give me a break. Like, can I have a little time here? We took a lot of time, but we did eventually have kids. And then I thought, oh, boy. We have finally made it. We have finally been promoted to this club of parenting. They can't ask me the next life phase yet. But what I discovered was that that wasn't so much of a promotion to parenting as it was a joining a club of poopy diapers, sleepless nights, uh, meltdowns in the grocery store, running a million errands and, and to appointments, And my wife gets a whole lot more of this than I do even. It wasn't necessarily a promotion as it was a responsibility. Now it's a responsibility that we deeply love. Isn't parenting amazing? It's awesome. But it's a responsibility. And the Holy Spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's awesome. It's an incredible filling of of the power of God that works in our lives. And we'll talk about what that looks like and what it's for. But it's not a promotion to to somehow elevate us. It's to elevate God. It's to elevate who He is, His glory, and who He is in our lives. So the Holy Spirit didn't come on these 12 guys just to, to create some special club. They weren't some privileged class of God's kingdom. They were empowered as, as the body of Christ to minister to others. And for us, we are one body. We've experienced the Holy Spirit in a lot of different ways and to different extents. We are one body. And this should never divide us. It should bring us together so that we can minister together as God's body. It's not a promotion to elitism. It's a responsibility for ministry. So we've looked at what the, uh, the, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not. Now let's take a look at what this Um, This little story tells us about who the Holy Spirit is. So receiving the Holy Spirit, number one, is normal. I love this. Because the the baptism of the Holy Spirit sometimes is painted as this really weird thing. I mean, take a look at this picture. Sometimes this is our picture of, of like Pentecostals, those that believe in the Holy Spirit, right? Like, 
they get this bad, Pentecostals get this bad rap that we're handling snakes and we're doing these weird things and it's, it's just this out of control uh, emotionalism that's manipulated. And, and that's not what we see in Bible. In the Bible, we see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the most normal experiences of the New Testament Christian life. It's just normal stuff. Pentecostals, that, that term Pentecostal, it actually comes from um, the, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. He was poured out back in Acts chapter 1 at, on the day of Pentecost. And that, that word Pentecost, it means the 50th day. That's all it means. It means the 50th day. And so they were celebrating this Jewish festival called Pentecost, which was the 50th day after the Passover which was also a Jewish festival that, that they celebrated. Now, I'm, I'll go a little off topic here because I think this is cool. This is just a little side note. So Passover, if you don't know what that is, they celebrated that because it was when God um, freed the nation of Israel out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt, right? And you remember that, that God told the, the nation of Israel to, to sacrifice a goat and to wipe, to smear the blood of that goat over their doorframe. I know that's weird, right? But this is what happened. The, the spirit of death moved over Egypt. And every door that did not have the blood over its doorframe, there was, there was death that came to the firstborn. But God spared the nation of Israel. He spared them. And so that was Passover. And, and so then Pharaoh lets them go and the nation of Israel is freed out of slavery. And that's what they celebrate in that festival of, of Passover. So then in Pentecost, 50 days after that, this is interesting. This is when God chooses to pour out his power, the power of his Holy Spirit. You see the parallel there? In the, in the Passover, the spirit of death is passing over his people to, to, to spare them death coming and dwelling in them. And in Pentecost, the spirit of life is coming to dwell in them that they can experience freedom from death and all that the Holy Spirit has to offer them. It's just fascinating to me that God chose that day to pour out His Spirit. And so when we use this term Pentecostals, it's not some weird emotionalism that, that might get twisted. It's us identifying with the fact that we are the people that God chose to pour life into, to pour His very Spirit into, to dwell with us. That we are free from the spirit of death, of sin, of this world, and God's Spirit can come and dwell in all of His fullness in us. That's who we are as Pentecostals. So this is normal in the Bible. Now, I've experienced both the normal and the kind of abnormal emotionalism of experiencing the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, that's common in, in some people's um, uh, expression and pursuit of the Holy Spirit. It can, it can become kind of this manipulated thing. First of all, I, I experienced God's power in some dynamic ways. This one time I was on this trip and our team leader was deaf in her right ear from the time that she was born. And so we were in this worship service and the power of God was moving and we decided we're going to pray for her 
that she would receive her hearing. And so we just gathered around her, we laid hands on her, and we prayed simple prayers. And instantly, God restored her hearing 100%. She had us come up and she, she was like whisper in my ear. And she was like, she'd jump up, she's like, I can hear it, I can hear it. It was, it was the most tangible and powerful expression of the Holy Spirit moving that I have ever witnessed. Now, I've heard stories, and you've heard stories of healings and things that have happened, but I actually saw it with my eyes. I experienced it. I was part of praying for it. And I was like, wow, this is real. This is normal stuff. This is what God wanted us to be able to do to bring restoration where there is pain, where there's hurt, where there's brokenness. This is why we have the Holy Spirit. But I've been on the other end of that too. I was at a conference one time and they were doing kind of a ministry of the Holy Spirit and somebody came and wanted to pray for me and I said, absolutely, I'll receive what the Lord wants to give me. And so they laid their hands on me and they started to pray and I started to feel them push. And they pushed me harder and harder and I'm like, I'm not gonna like fall over or something because you're pushing me. If the Holy Spirit wants to come over me and, and, and I feel his power to the extent that I'm not capable of standing anymore, that's fine. That's okay with me. I will welcome all of the Holy Spirit I, that he wants to pour out on me. But it's not going to be because you pushed me over. That's not normal. That's not in the Bible. That is a manipulation. It's emotionalism. It's a pursuit of the, the gifts or the pursuit of the experience, not the, the welcoming of the Holy Spirit in an authentic way. So we have to welcome the Holy Spirit in a normal way that's real and authentic without us getting in the way of what he wants to do. Here's the, all, here's the thing, though. Holy Spirit moves in a lot of different ways. And in the Bible, there's a lot of powerful and kind of crazy ways that the Holy Spirit moved. The day of Pentecost, you remember what they experienced? I mean, we, th we think like wind, but there was tongues of fire that appeared over them. Like there's some crazy ways that the Holy Spirit demonstrates his power to us. And so I want to hold in balance, um, not judging someone's experience with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit, but also an, uh, an order and, and a normal normalcy that I see in Scripture. Paul tried to instruct the Corinthians on this. And in, in, in the book of Corinthians, he says there has, he, he described for them, there has to be order in the way that this is experienced. And here in, in our uh, text, in, in Acts 19, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, did they go crazy? No, they didn't go crazy. It wasn't weird. It was normal. And for these guys, what did it look like for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? They ministered. They started ministering. And in verse 9, it says, Paul and the disciple, disciples reasoned daily with the people. So they, didn't, they weren't somehow removed from the mental faculties of their mind. They reasoned daily. They used their intellect, their, their, uh, their, their minds. They engaged. But there was something of the filling of the Holy Spirit that was normal for them to, to be able to do this. The problem is, is that we take our experience with the Holy Spirit and then we hold that as the model, the only acceptable model 
that other people have to have experienced also for it to be valid. And we have got to just kind of release that sometimes and say, maybe my experience is different than yours, and that's all right. That's actually biblical. So the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit, number one, it's, it's normal. This is normal Christian behavior in the New Testament to be baptized with the Spirit. Well, secondly, receiving the Holy Spirit, it's empowerment for ministry. That's what we see in this scripture. And I've already kind of alluded to this somewhat, but receiving the Holy Spirit, it's meant for empowerment for ministry. What was the outcome for these 12 disciples receiving the Holy Spirit? In verse 10, it says, This continued for two years, them, them speaking and reasoning, so that all of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. There's this kindling of something amazing that all, the whole continent, both Jews and Greeks, everybody hears because of what's going on. There's an empowerment for ministry that happens. All of Asia heard. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the names of these 12 disciples? These aren't the disciples of Jesus. These are the 12 guys who are in Ephesus. You don't remember their names because they're never listed because it's not about them. It's about the ministry. God's not pouring this, His Spirit out on them to make them super Christians. He's doing it because He's empowering His people to live out His ministry to other people. Do you know that you have been empowered for ministry? That that power for ministry is waiting for you to experience? Now, this, uh, this, we get to experience this every day. This isn't just something that happens on a Sunday morning when, we, when we're like got the, the lights at the right level and the music is going. We experience walking with the Holy Spirit and His empowerment for ministry every day. And that might look different for you, but for me what it looks like is I'll be, um, I'll be driving and I'll see someone and the Lord will just speak to me to pray for them. Or I'll, or I'll be in a situation and I won't know how to handle it and I will have a supernatural insight into the direction that I should go forward. I, uh, one of the common uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture is this gift called tongues. There's a lot of confusion around this also, but tongues is literally, it's just this. It's a language that we don't understand, but that God does. And He gives this to us to speak to be able to intercede for things that we don't understand. Let me give you an example. So that person, if I may be driving and I see that person on the road and, and God lays it on my heart to pray for them, I don't have any idea what they need or why God's putting them on my heart. But, I can, but God knows what is going on with them. And He wants to use me to be able to minister through the Holy Spirit. And so I can begin to pray for them in, in tongues. And I can pray in tongues for them and, and pray in a language that I don't understand with wisdom that I maybe don't get, but that He does. And I'm interceding for them in a situation that I don't know about for them to receive wholeness and health. That's awesome. What an incredible opportunity for us. We may not ever get the full picture of what it is that we're ministering, but God uses us in ways that we are way bigger than us. And so he gives us these gifts to be able to experience. It also looks like this. For me, sometimes I will have 
uh, dreams. And they'll be vivid dreams that God gives me pictures and insight into what he's doing or insight into what he wants to do. And this is throughout scripture as well. And, and so I'll wake up and, you know, I can tell right away this is not a normal dream. I just didn't have like some spicy food last night. I will know like God's speaking something here. And there's been a number of times that I've shared that with John and we've actually shared that um, from the stage here as direction for our church because God is speaking something. And that's not just me. That, that happens to numerous people throughout our congregation that God speaks and he'll confirm those things. This is daily life with the Holy Spirit. When he empowers you, he does it so that he empowers us for ministry to other people. It's not just so, us, so we can experience some warm fuzzies and feel good about ourselves. He empowers us for ministry. As I mentioned, uh, Paul describes some of these gifts of the Holy Spirit that are, uh, and he describes this in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And the gifts that he describes in this passage are the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so Paul describes all of these as being um, things that we can experience to a greater capacity when the Holy Spirit uh, it fills us and dwells in us, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it empowers us to minister. We, throughout this series, we, um, we've gone back to Acts chapter 1-8 a lot of times. You remember that passage? It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to, the, to, uh, to Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So who's going to be the witnesses? Those who've received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now certainly all of us have a witness and we can share the story, but he's saying there's going to be a power that enables you to take this message to, to the ends of the, to the earth, the corners of this globe. So wait for this power, receive it, and minister it. So this power, it's, it's for us, it's normal, and it's empowerment for ministry. And the last thing here is that receiving the Holy Spirit is still available to us. It's still available to us. We're still empowered to bring that good news of Jesus to every corner, to every neighborhood, to every school, to every workplace. Jesus is empowering us to do this. You know that when he left his spirit on us, when he left his spirit, he said, go and do this. He anointed us to be his, his witnesses in Acts 2.38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, listen to this, And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all those far off and everyone who the Lord calls to himself. This wasn't something that just happened in Acts or in the early church or in the New Testament. This is something that God promises us generation after generation after generation because his kingdom is still going forth. We're still proclaiming this. 
all of the earth has not yet heard the message of his kingdom. And so he is still empowering his people. You know, you remember this? Jesus said, this is crazy. When Jesus was commissioning his disciples, he said, you will go and you will do even greater things than these. How can we do greater things than Jesus? This guy was raising people from the dead. How are we going to do greater things than that? What he was talking about is when he goes, it's not just him and the power of him in the bodily form. When he gives us his Holy Spirit, now we're a whole bunch of little Jesuses because his spirit rests in us. And so what he was able to minister is going to break loose all over the place through us as we minister in his spirit when it's poured out in us. We're going to be the ones that are able to pray over people and see them healed. We are going to be the ones that have supernatural insight and words of knowledge into situations so that we can go and we can say, I think you're experiencing this and God wants to speak this to you. It's so that we can minister in power. And this is what is normal behavior for Christians in the New Testament and today. This is for us. So you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is for you. It's already been given to you. It was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and it's a gift that God offers to us that we receive. But a gift has to be received, doesn't it? By the way, a gift can't be earned. We don't somehow earn like all this righteousness, and then all of a sudden we attain this level of supernatural uh, access to the Holy Spirit. No, it's a gift that we receive, and it's offered to us, and it's offered to us today. It's not something that's weird. It's not something that's crazy. It's the Holy Spirit empowering His people to live out the faith and the belief that we have in our life so that other people can see that in power and authority. I'm going to invite the Holy, or the, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to invite the worship team <laughs> to come back to the stage here. So if this is a gift to be received, I want to give us an opportunity this morning to receive it. So let's talk for just a minute about what that looks like. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, in, in the, the Bible, it talks about simply asking. We just have to ask. It's something to be received. In Matthew 8, 7, and 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to one who knocks, it will be opened. So what does it look like to ask and to seek and to knock? Well, if you look at this passage and, and that natural progression in Scripture, number one, it looks like repenting from sin. That's the starting point, right? And putting your faith in Jesus Christ, that's the starting point of asking and seeking and knocking, of saying, God, I want all of who you are to come into me and that I may experience you. And then water baptism is a part of that also. It's not exclusive in the Scripture that water baptism preceded Holy Spirit baptism, but it's often, it's frequent that that happened. If you haven't been baptized in water, that's a great step for you to seal your faith and then keep pursuing. Keep saying, keep, keep that heart posture that says, Lord, I want to I be open 
to who you are. I want to be open to what you want to do. Don't pen him into a theological box that somehow restrains the Holy Spirit or confines the Holy Spirit to only functioning in a certain way. Say, God, what do you want to reveal to me? How do you want to work in me? Be open to how God might want to work. A second thing besides asking, seeking, and knocking is here in uh, in Acts 19.6, we see that having other spirit-filled Christians seek that with you can be an important step. That's a good way to receive the Holy Spirit is to have other people join with you. It says that Paul, when he, after he baptized them in water, he laid his hands on them and he ministered to them. He, he with them, joined with them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so in a few minutes, we're going to have the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit and ask Him to come together and we're going to join together as we do that. And thirdly, I just want to say this. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit means, in fact, I think it requires that we don't feel silly or embarrassed about it. Because it can feel awkward. And I'll just acknowledge that and put that on the table. One of the things that often accompanies the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that gift of tongues that that I described. Speaking in a language that you don't understand or sounds that are foreign to you, that's weird. That doesn't feel right. It's, that could be awkward. But I want to tell you, it, when, you it, when God starts to give you uh, language or sounds or things, or you feel the power of the Holy Spirit starting to come on you, that's not something to be embarrassed of. It's not something to feel silly about. It's something to lean into and say, God, what are you doing here? I want more of you. So again... I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not talking about being out of control or somehow working up some some inauthentic experience. But we don't have to feel silly about the Holy Spirit coming and us yielding ourselves to Him. So here's, here's what I want us to do this morning to respond. I want us to welcome the Holy Spirit. I want Him to I want us to simply say, from wherever we're at. Lord, you have free reign in my life today to do what you want to do. I want to welcome him in a very authentic way to come and do what he wants to do. Now, I know that people are at all different places in our spiritual walk and in our journey of following Jesus. And I think probably there are some here this morning who are still discovering what it looks like to follow Jesus. Maybe you haven't made a decision to surrender to him today or to surrender to Him yet. And and today, this is an opportunity for you. That saying, Lord, I want all of who you are would be that decision to to follow Him for the first time, to say, Jesus, I want to know you. I'm surrendering to you. I want to receive you. And there's probably a second group of people here that you've believed in Jesus, and maybe you've even experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit at uh, some point in your life. You've You've experienced His power, but, but maybe you have shelved that. Or maybe you haven't used it for ministry. And I believe God wants to revive something in you today. That He wants to rekindle the Holy Spirit in you today so that He can empower you for ministry. And then there's a, a third group that, that you believe in Jesus, but you haven't yet experienced that. 
you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that, maybe even that concept kind of freaks you out and you're not sure. Maybe there's been some confusion about that. This morning, I want to ask you to just invite the Lord to do what He wants. To yield your heart to say, Lord, bring your Holy Spirit. Bring those giftings. Empower me with your Spirit to live out my faith and to demonstrate it to other people. And as, as we read, when we ask and seek and knock, He's faithful to meet us there. So what we're going to do in a moment is the band is going to lead us in this song of worship. And I want to ask you to break into groups of three or four. And we're going to take a couple minutes and we're just going to, I just want to invite you right where you're at to say, hey, this is the group that I really most identify with. And it's okay. I know you might be not a specifically part of one of those groups. Just say, say where you're at with God and and with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not comfortable with that, no problem. You can sit in your chair and you can worship God and you can pursue Him on your own. That's okay. But I want to invite us as a body, together as a believers, to just believe together that we can encounter the Holy Spirit. And so whether it's accepting Jesus for the first time, whether it's kind of leaning in and letting him rekindle something in you, or whether it's just saying, I'm going to yield myself to the Holy Spirit for the first time and ask him to come, just voice that to each other and then pray together that we experience the power of God. Can we do that? Now here's my disclaimer. Don't make this emotionalism. Don't make this manipulated. I am only after an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. So that means that we don't have to make people recite certain sounds to get the gift of tongues. We don't have to have them repeat after us or something like that. We are simply together, joining together and asking God, will you move in power? If you want to deposit something of your Holy Spirit, if you want to baptize us with your Holy Spirit today, we are willing. Now lean into that. If you're starting to feel the Holy Spirit move, lean into that. Pray for each other. Pursue that. But let's not make it an emotional response. Let's make it a, a unique and authentic move of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord God, I thank you that you come and in your scripture you show us this very natural, this very natural way to access what it looks like to follow after you. Lord, you moved in power. You moved in strength and authority. And you did it so that your, your, the, your kingdom would advance, that the Father would be, be brought glory, and that people by a demonstration of power would see God. And so, Lord God, we ask that as, as you left your spirit and you promised for us that we could experience this and we could do even greater things. Lord God, we pray that you would empower us, your people, with that same spirit. We pray that you would fill us with this baptism of the Holy Spirit that is described in Scripture. That we would be able to minister with power and with authority. That we would experience these giftings of the Holy Spirit. That you would pour out on us that we can be your image to this world. That we can be reconciling the world back to you through Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that you offer this to us. And so this morning, 
We choose to receive it. We open our hearts to it. We welcome you. In Jesus' name we pray.